0: everyone to the last episode of 2022 of the Crane and Africa China podcast. We have been really, really enjoying the process of building an audience, of engaging our audience, of discussing the topics we find really pressing and really relevant to the Africa China conversation. And I think to Africans generally. Uh, We've been doing this for a couple of months now and have been thoroughly enjoying the process. Uh, Myself, Mika, I've been joined by my lovely co-host, Amadeus. And uh, we wanted to just give a little shorter, but a little bit of a wrap-up that we share a little bit about what uh, the podcast is holding for the future, some of the ideas we're going to discuss next year, some of the uh, possible podcasts we'll have. But we also wanted to give a bit of background as to who we are and why we started this project. We are part of the Dongsheng Collective, which translates to Eastern Voices. And part of our initiative and why we came together, myself, I'm a researcher at the Tricontinental Institute for Social Research. Uh, we wanted to kind of connect with other people in the global south who are interested in trying to better understand China and do so in ways that center the needs of our regions in relation to China, not filtered by. Uh, many of the dominant U.S. and Western perspectives and policy positions. So, you know, we got together with a few uh, researchers who are based across the global South and the various continents from Latin America, Africa, Asia, people we've been connected with over the years. And we decided to form this collective so that we could, A, find sources of uh, media, news, communications, analysis that are coming not only from Eastern voices, but from voices that aren't necessarily steeped in a kind of Eurocentric or Western centric worldview. And that would allow us to better understand the complexities of how China has become the China it is today and what that China looks like and how it relates to the rest of the continent. And maybe Amadeus, you could tell them a little bit about the other media work that uh, Dongsheng produces.
1: Thank you, Mika. Compliments of the season once again to all our listeners. Dongsheng, or Eastern Voices, also produces a weekly digest called the News on China. Uh, That's our flagship kind of um, newsletter. And in this digest, we break down the most notable, relevant news from inside China that is mostly not covered by the international mainstream media especially the one from the Western world. So we give you a a short bulletin, a breakdown of what's been happening in China um, in all fields, from the economy and national politics to um, science to uh, people's art and culture to agriculture. And it's really just a super quick and convenient way to get up to date with what is actually happening on the ground in China that you will never hear in the mainstream media. Uh, Another product or another digest we put out is the Chinese Voices Digest which uh, is released every uh, Sunday. So uh, News on China is released on Saturdays, Chinese Voices is released the next day on Sundays and Chinese Voices is really unique as in it brings translated articles, opinion pieces from thinkers and people inside China so it really links you up with the discussions the trends and the thinking of actual um, thought leaders of uh, academics of uh, just everyday people um, that are popular within China itself so it provides a very unique window into uh, the kind of public debate, thinking, and trends happening on the ground in China. Those are just some of the things we do. Of course, we are on all social media platforms, uh, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, um, Telegram, etc. And you can always catch up with us on any of those.
0: And then, you know, initially, we'd started off trying to produce a small Africa Weekly, where we'd give, you know, three articles that are relevant to the China-Africa conversation each week, but we found it was a bit limiting and we weren't always finding the the kind of thorough or nuanced articles that I think give a more um, organic portrayal of actually what is happening with knowing what the stakes are for the African people. And so we decided to create The Crane, um, our podcast, where we could get a little bit more space to discuss these things. One of the reasons we called it The Crane, by the way, is, you know, we had this visual and when you look at the China-Africa relationship, you see this visual of construction, you know, the crane machinery building things because, you know, infrastructure, as we've discussed before, has been one of the core pillars of China's engagement on the African continent in the last few years, which we find uh, really critical to the development of the future of African people and the present of African people. And so that's essentially why we called it the crane. Though we have a little bit of a nod to uh, the indigenous red crane that is a type of bird indigenous to uh, China, because we also have in different African countries, we have in Uganda, for example, where I grew up in my, my very young, young days, the crested crane, which is the national bird. So we also Enjoy that visual of these birds of flight, these rare birds, these treasured birds that are are also needing protection, needing understanding, and that also, you know, take flight and roam the various parts of our regions. But getting into, you know, we began this podcast hoping to provide a fresh look at, you know, news, events, debates around Africa-China relations, and again, from two young Africans, I don't know and maybe our audiences can give us a shout out if there are any interesting young Africans doing anything on China Africa out there give us a shout out we we know there are very many great institutes that are working with young people producing good analysis across the continent if you have any recommendations let us know in you know comments and tweets and we also wanted to you know explore the relationship from both historical and contemporary, Perspectives where we can unmask and you know interrogate some of the controversies, some of the complexities. And we hope to do more of that in the future. Um, but we wanted to understand it not only in relation to what's going on, like you know, news items as we do in the media digest, but we also want to think about what's at stake, which is why we talk a lot about politics and geopolitics in previous episodes. And we decided to do this because. You know, the reality, particularly over the last three years with the COVID pandemic, has been that on the African continent and globally, there seemed to be an extreme level of misunderstanding about and hostilities towards China, particularly during the Trump administration's era, where we saw like increasingly belligerent political and economic policies in, you know, 2018, 2019. And it was just, you know, generating polarization, in a moment in time where we should be coming together as the various nations and regions of the world to fight the pandemic, to end wars, to uh, combat uh, climate change, and this also just deepened a historical xenophobia and anti-communist sentiment that has been, you know, in the West for you know, I would say, you know, over three hundred years, and only worsened during the time of the pandemic in 2020. And so, with Western-dominated media, which is very influential on the continent, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, uh, you know the Ned, the National Endowment,
1: uh, National Endowment uh, yeah, for Democracy, for
0: democracy, and. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I think we've mentioned it before about how the U.S. has explicitly funded anti-China projects across the media projects across the African continent. Maybe we'll have a specific episode about that in the future. We decided we wanted to unpack some of these myths and misinformation. And we also didn't want to present China in also the monolithic and kind of disingenuous depiction of China, its people, its politics, and its society. And we know that also, whilst this has been happening, Africans are also either addressed in a patronizing fashion or totally left out of the conversation. We saw this even with Anthony Blinken, this US Secretary of State, when he visited in August to launch the US strategy towards sub-Saharan Africa, their new strategy towards Africa. When he's talking to Naledi Pandu, the foreign minister, he's essentially saying, you know, in a veiled way, he'll say, we don't want you to choose, but these are the not good people to work with, essentially pointing at China and and Russia to a certain extent.
1: And it's exactly this kind of patronizing attitude that um, is a motivating factor for me personally uh, for taking part in this podcast and for starting this podcast. my take has always been that the relationship between Africa and China is the defining relationship, the deep the, the defining geopolitical relationship for our continent in this century. Um, simply because of the massive scale of trade and investment flowing into the continent, and the um, there is also migration between China and Africa, and that in its own small way is uh, shaping and uh, impacting the societies we live in. So understanding the true nature of the reality and the contradictions of this relationship and these exchanges is so important for us. And, you know, when we Africans are given a platform, it's normally left to NGOs, government officials, and, you know, so-called experts, most of them with no relationship with Africa. You know, a few of them maybe from the African diaspora, but mostly not, right? And, of course, think tanks, right? Because the West loves think tanks, right? And these groups, these individuals, tend to drive an elitist agenda, and they hold a very deep anti China anti-communist sentiment, right? They are pushing an agenda that may not be in the interest of African nations and the African people as a whole, you know? So, um, you know, we as people uh, have worked with social movements and people organizations, and we, we saw a vacuum in the discourse where the agency of our people, of African people, of our continents, socio-economic and political advancements is not centered. You know, it's not about our interests. It's not about what we need. You know, the entire relationship between Africa and China in the Western media, in the mainstream media, is centered on uh, Western interests and what the West would like us to do. And I'm sorry, but the West doesn't call the shots here anymore. You know, we had 500 years of Western European domination, and frankly, we're tired of it. You know, we want to do our own thing. You know, we keep being told that freedom is this wonderful thing, um, but we don't seem to be free to make up our own minds, tell our own stories, and drive a narrative that has our best interests at heart. Uh, So that was one of the motivations about um, starting this podcast Um, And also, you know, challenging. China has challenged everything we've been told for the last 500 years about how the world works. You know, it has lifted over 880 million people out of poverty. At this point, that is like, how much is that? Uh, How many Africans are there around right now? Uh, Slightly under 2 billion, right? So China has literally lifted 50% the equivalence of 50% of Africa's population out of extreme poverty. You know, it's, it's showing us that there's another part, aside from this extreme neoliberal capitalism that has ruined our economies, further impoverished and exploited our people. So people, we need to know about this and we need to discuss this as Africans, you know. And my thing is always Africa first. You know, not in the Trumpian sense, not in the chauvinist nationalist sense, but in terms of <laughs> rational self-interest. You know, I'm I'm not a nationalist, I'm not a chauvinist. Uh, I'm a patriot. I'm a pan-Africanist, and I will always say Africa first. We need to look out for each other. We need to look out for our shared interests, um, because that's the only way we are going to provide a dignified just and peaceful future where the needs of all our people are met in a reasonable way and i think china is showing us that guys it's possible if you're organized dedicated and willing to sacrifice and we want to have that discussion especially amongst young and youngish africans you know because we have to live in this continent our children have to live in this continent. This is our home. So, there have been um, a lot of advancements in humanity, you know, in terms of uh, the developments of science and technology. And China is driving a lot of this right now, you know. So, if we're unwilling to understand the complexities of this, then we're not going to learn from it.
0: I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm imp- possibly as much as I am a Pan Africanist, I also have the perspective that we all need each other on this planet. So the interests of the African people are the interests of the rest of the world. If we're not developing in Africa, then humanity won't be saved or humanity cannot advance.
1: Amen. Agreed.
0: I think it was uh, many different revolutionaries across the world have basically in one way or another said that if other people continue to be exploited, then humanity truly isn't free. So Particularly in the conjuncture we find ourselves in with the world teetering on the brivet the brink of like environmental, economic, and political collapse. I mean, not teetering on the brink. We are in a collapse. We're we're kind of free-falling right now. It just simply is irrational to pursue division and discord and not try to understand what's happening in different parts of the world and try to find ways to collaborate and cooperate. Uh, It just simply will mean the end of civilization or I don't know, I hate that word civilization, but the end of humanity as we know it, uh, particularly as we've seen, you know, we're nearing the 2% increase. uh, You know, scientists have been raising the alarms for decades, but it seems that the elites, the kind of those who benefit from the exploitation of the masses of the world, would rather it was actually i think jared diamond who said that the rich are just simply buying their seat to starve last at the table in terms of world history oh wow that's brutal (laughs)
1: that's brutally
0: honest yes um so that's some of the reasons why we are motivated to have this podcast and to have these discussions and so i mean just to near the end of this session A couple of things that I think stood out to us that I think is worth mentioning is it has been a very dramatic year. We've seen how things that we couldn't have imagined a few years ago have completely shifted. A lot of the geopolitical uh, positions, the economic situation, the climate situation, whether it's the Ukraine war, whether it has been, you know, many different developments. But in terms of China, Africa, we've seen how China, you know, in August, they canceled 23 interest-free loans to 17 African countries in a moment in which around 16 African countries are, in, are nearing debt distress. And at least seven of them are in severe debt distress. I'm not sure the exact terminology, but many of our countries are suffering with debt distress. So we've seen how China's been trying to play its part in that. Uh, We've seen various developments in terms of new agreements around science and technology that we've covered, agriculture that we've spoken about. But we've also seen and we've discussed this in, in some detail, but we'll follow the issue closer in future, is how the U.S. seems to be running back to the continent After having been largely, uh, you know, not absent, but been a bit incoherent in, in terms of its engagement with the African continent over the last, you know, I would say even since the 2014, the first U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit uh, held by Obama, because it made a lot of promises, but I I know one of them was they promised to generate in the Africa Energy Project, I think, 30,000 megawatts, and to date have only generated 6,000. We're seeing that the U.S. with last of last week, so the first week of December, no, second week of December, the 10th to the 13th, I think it was, the US hosted the US-Africa Leaders Summit, where it was purporting that it wanted to create a, you know, an independent relationship with the African continent, renew its relationship with the African continent. But a lot of the underlying sentiment seems to have been, how can the US regain it a foothold to push back against the likes of China on the African continent? And we saw this in the uh, strategy document I mentioned that Anthony Blinken launched in South Africa in August, where it mentioned China and Russia ten times in the document, but seldom and if at all did not speak about s- concepts of sovereignty, concepts of building, you know autonomous and, you know, altruistic relationships with the African continent. So these are some of the developments of the year that kind of shape how we enter the conversation about China-Africa and what really is at stake.
1: So we've got an exciting 2023 plan for you. Uh, We uh, would like to do more interviews with experts and people on the ground um, and different aspects of the Africa-China relationships, Uh, things like labor relations, etc. We want to do more African country focuses uh, that look at the relationships between specific African countries and China, which uh, is going to be very, very interesting. And we'd also like to dive deeper into China, Africa's shared history? What are some of the key moments of China-Africa history, both from ancient to more modern and recent times? What are some of the events and happenings that have defined these relationships that, you know, people might not really know much about? And, well, we also kind of want to understand from the other side of view, how China understands and sees its relationship with Africa, because of course, that is also important. So those are some of the things we are going to cover next year, and I look forward. I think it's going to be fun. Thank you so much. Have happy festive season and a great start to your new year. You can follow us at Dongsheng News on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Telegram. You will find the news on China and Chinese voices at dongshengnews.org, and you can get The Crane wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for spending the year with us. We appreciate you. We are grateful for you, and we love you. Have a great start to you, 2023. Thank you.